Well, good morning, everyone. Ah, oh, that's a good good morning this morning. Which, I know I say this, that I don't judge you, but sometimes I do based on the good mornings. Okay, just, just on that, that's the only thing, okay? I'm so glad that you're here today as we continue on in our series, Spring Cleaning, really just looking at some different areas of our lives that we might tidy up and organize to put some effort into, to really do spring cleaning so that we might live healthier, wholer, better lives. And so we've already taken a look at finances and relationships, that if we're going to have healthy and whole lives, like having healthy finances and relationships is a part of it. And then today what I want to take a look at is something that is a crucial part of our lives. I want to take a look at our spiritual lives. I want to take a look at our relationship with Jesus. I want to take a look at our connection with God. And I want this to be really open for all of us. Whether you're unsure about Jesus or whether you've been following him for decades, I want to take a look at how we might grow our connection with God who is with us and for us and wants to meet with us. And today, I want to be clear on my perspective with this. And this is really my perspective throughout um, the entirety of this kind of series. But today, I really want to focus in on some actually of the small steps that we can take. Sometimes I think this is what happens in our culture. Our culture loves big dramatic reversals. Our culture loves things that are like overnight successes and big changes, right? Like somebody who sells everything and then, you know, rentals a van and a bus and now they're traveling around and living the best life ever or whatever it may be. Or that's what came up on my TikTok feed this week in case you're wondering, okay? That I think sometimes our world loves big, big changes. Today, I want to give you a different perspective on some of this stuff, that what I think our world often discounts is this. The actual amount of change that small steps over time can create. That our world really discounts small steps over time and how small steps can actually create tremendous change. Our world is in love with big dramatic reversals, but sometimes forgets the importance of just small incremental change over years that what I think sometimes has happened in our world is our scope of living has shortened from like decades to weeks. Like what can we get done in weeks rather than who could we be in a decade? And so today when it comes to our spirituality, I wanna take a look at this idea of small incremental change. Some things that you might be able to do in your spiritual life with Jesus right here and right now that'll make you a dramatically different person in five, 10, 15 years. Because while it is unquestionably true that if you come to know Jesus, some of the results within his life, can, in your life, can be like dramatic and almost instantaneous, but this is also true. The work of growing Christ-like happens over the entirety of our lives, amen? Right? It happens over the entirety of our lives. It's something we need to continue to put effort into. So today, my perspective really is going to be, what small steps can we put into practice, like today, this week, that will lead to dramatic change in the future? And I want to take a look at that in and through this idea of our spiritual lives with God, how we can connect with Him. And so to help us to do this, I want to use actually a fairly common, this might sound funny, but a fairly common business uh, kind of idea, that sometimes in business, when you go to like review something, a really quick way to do it is use the words start, stop, and continue. Like, what can we start, what can we stop, and what can we continue? I want to review or use this business review technique actually with our spiritual lives and to ask the question in relationship to Jesus and to God, what should we be starting, what should we be stopping, and what should we keep going, okay? And so to begin with, I want to take a look at what we should be stopping. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews uh, for all of these different kind of areas, okay? So the first question I want to invite you to consider under this idea of what should we be stopping so that we might live better, healthier, and even holier lives, I want to invite you to consider this question. And I want to 
unpack it for us. Because I think most of us will likely hear this question wrong, okay? The question I want to invite you to consider is this, is what sins in your life do you need to stop, root out, or get rid of, okay? What sins in your life do you need to stop, root out, or get rid of? And I want to unpack this question, because as I said, I think likely for many of us, especially if you've grown up in the Western Evangelical Church, we're going to hear this question with the wrong tone. That when the Western Evangelical Church has gotten around to talking about sin, primarily, the Western Church only talks about sin through a guilt-driven, moralistic, personal framework. Like, that's the only framework that they have. It's all about feeling guilty for things. That so often how the way the church has talked about sin is this, and this is just totally missing the point, that the church has wanted us to feel bad about sins, when really the focus is this, of getting free from sin, right? That should be the focus. Not feeling bad, but actually getting free. Because this is just true for every single one of us. If your life had less sin in it, it would be better, amen? Right? It would be better. There is no sin in your life that is actually contributing to your health, to your ongoing wellness, and to actually living a Christ-like life. That what has happened in the Western evangelical churches, we've just got the focus wrong. We try to make people feel guilty and bad about sin, rather than recognizing that it's about feeling freedom. It's about experiencing grace. It's about living differently. And that if we actually remove sins from our lives, our lives will become better, wholer, and healthier. So when I ask this question, of what sins in your life do you need to stop or root out or get rid of? I want to give you this kind of, I don't know, framework. That this isn't about guilt, it's about living a better, healthier life, okay? And that this perspective is actually in the Bible as well. Let me read to you Hebrews and how Hebrews talks about sin, which sometimes we kind of forget. We read this, okay? This is in Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Listen to how the author of Hebrew puts it. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And also with me the perspective. Is the perspective there that we should feel really, really bad about our sin? It isn't. The perspective is, is we should just get rid of it. Amen? Right? That the Bible is least concerned with what you feel. The Bible is much more concerned about what you do actually. And where do you bring your sin? Listen to the next verse. It says this, and we do this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That where the Western church has gone really wrong is it's invited us to focus on our sin rather than to focus on Jesus, who provides freedom from our sin. That's where we've kind of missed the point. Notice with me what's really clear in this verse, that sin stops us from running the race of life well. Right? The verse says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let us strip off the junk that makes our lives more difficult. Let us strip off these baggages and these burdens that we are carrying. The author says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And what the author of Hebrews is getting at is that there is no sin that makes your life better, that doesn't have consequences, that our life wouldn't be better without. So when I invite us to just consider this question of, is there some things that we need to get rid of in our lives? Again, I want to be clear, this is from a freedom, grace-based perspective. Not about feeling bad, but about actually entering into more life, more that God has for you, more that Christ has for you. Because this is just true, okay? Is that naming sin to Jesus has never been a guilt-based activity. It's always about freedom and grace and new life. 
Because if you read the Gospels, have you noticed that people actually rush to Jesus to find forgiveness, to find freedom and all of that? That should be our perspective when it comes to this. Listen to how Eugene Peterson puts it, and I think this is very true. God does not deal with our sin by ridding our lives of it as if it were a germ or mice in the attic. God does not deal with sin by amputation as if it were a gangrenous leg, leaving us less holiness uh, in a crutch. He says this, God deals by our sin by forgiving us. And when he forgives us, there is more of us, not less. Anyone want to say amen to that? Right? That when he forgives us, there is more of us, not less. So when we talk about ridding our lives of sin, this is actually a good thing, not a guilt thing. Because there will actually be more of you, not less. Right? There will actually be more of you, not less. That's what the writer is getting at. Let's get rid of all this junk that just entangles us, that trips us up, that stops us from running the race of life well. And the focus then, the focus isn't our sin, the focus is on Jesus, who, as that verse says, is the author and the initiator and the perfecter of our faith, He's the one we keep our focus in on. So today, I want to invite you to think through, are there some things in your life you just need to like, get rid of? And again, my perspective really for this sermon and for the entirety of this series, really, is really what are some of the small, maybe simple steps you might take? So there might be some large areas of your life, some destructive, you know, maybe habits or patterns that need to be addressed. But what maybe too, again, thinking about those small things in our lives, what maybe two or maybe some small areas of your life, some small sins that you consistently overlook or give yourself a pass on? What I mean by this is I was talking about this sermon with Jamie, uh, who was just up here, and he said, oh, so you want us to like, examine our lives for like dust bunny sins that we just ignore? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I think I want us to do. Like maybe I'll give you some examples. And these are small things, but honestly, small things make a big difference over time. And if we get rid of them, our lives are going to be healthier, holier, and better. Maybe for you, what you know deep down, maybe for you, what you know deep down, is that you lack patience with people, right? That that's actually not helping you. That's actually something to get rid of. That maybe you know you're just quick to kind of get angry with people. Maybe that's something today to name to Jesus. Maybe today, you know deep down also that you tend to embellish things a lot, right? That's actually living a distorted life. That actually isn't helping you. That will trip you up in the future. Maybe you know, honestly, that you gossip a little bit. The Bible talks a lot about that. Christians don't seem to care so much about that, actually. But it's one of the main things that the Bible actually names as unhealthy because it destroys relationships. And it's a small thing, but actually it leads to big consequences. Maybe that's the thing you just need to say, I need to get rid of this from my life. Or maybe you know, too, it's so easy to just slip into patterns of judgment and critique and maybe a critical spirit. That what I want to invite you today to do is just to pay attention for the small, simple, and maybe subtle ways that we live less than we are called to. That's also called sin, right? The small, simple, and subtle ways that we live less than we are called to, which is also called sin. Maybe it's a critical spirit. Maybe it's judgmentalism. Maybe it's just that we allow ourselves to be hardened in our hearts towards people when God wants to soften our hearts towards people. I want to invite you just to do a little examination of your heart, a little review. And again, Please, please at least hear my heart with this. The tone is not judgment and guilt and condemnation. The tone is so that we might experience more of life in our lives and the lives around us. So we might live more like Christ. I just think it really, really matters. That sometimes we kind of give ourselves passes on things, you know. Well, maybe I'll just speak for me. You know, you shake your fist at somebody on the QEW and you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. But like, really though? 
Do we want that stuff in our life? Or sometimes, is this true? Have you ever had this? Where you hold on to anger well beyond its expiry date? You know what I mean? Right? Where it's no longer helping anyone or anything? This is the stuff we're talking about today. I want to invite you just to consider, are there some things you can just get rid of in your life that would actually make your life better? Michael Manges in his book, Signature Sins, puts it this way, and I believe this unquestionably. He says this, Every sin confessed is an invitation for God to work miracles through his grace. Anyone want to say amen to that? Right? So when we are naming this stuff, it's from a grace perspective. He goes on and he says, if we truly grasp this truth, he says, I would stop obsessively working to round up all of my sin marbles and to keep them under control. Instead, I would go out in search of marbles that are lost or forgotten in the corners of my heart. I might actually become bored with the areas of my life that are tidy and presentable. I would search out new places in me that haven't seen the full life of God's transformation. I might even think to myself, it's been a while since God's performed a miracle in me. Let me see if there's some forgotten pocket of sin somewhere so I can set God's power free to turn water into wine and blindness into sight. I think this is a much healthier perspective when it comes to sin than the Western churches one that focuses on feeling bad, rather than the reality that when you name sin to Jesus, he forgives, he frees, and there is more of you, not less. So today, if we're going to have a closer relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you just to ask, I'm just going to ask you this question one last time, or just to consider, are there any areas of sin in your life you need to root out, to stop, right, or to just get rid of? As Hebrews says, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, that entangles us, right? that actually just binds us and doesn't lead us to freedom. This is the first question I want to invite you to consider today. Just as we seek to have a little bit of a spiritual cleaning or kind of tune up in our spiritual lives. The second question is, we had start, stop, and continue. So I want to talk about what should we start. And today, what I want to invite you to consider when I'm talking about starting is just, is there an area in your life when it comes to your prayer that you can start? I think prayer is really, if I can put it this way, it's like the lifeblood of Christianity. That if you're going to actually grow as a Christian, there is no way to grow as a Christian without maintaining closeness to God. Do you want to know what we call closeness to God? Prayer, actually. It's when we're connecting with Him. It's when we're being honest with Him. So today, the question I want to invite you to consider is just this. What simple or small step might you take to start to improve your prayer life? Just to start to maybe deepen your prayer life. And I'm talking again about small, simple, ongoing kind of steps. That it would be absolutely great if all of us made, you know, the commitment to get up an hour earlier every day, right? And to spend that, you know, 30 minutes in Bible meditation and 30 minutes in prayer. Like, that would be great if we all decided to do that here today. I think by Wednesday, most of us would have trouble keeping that up, if not by like tomorrow, right? So I am less interested in us making big, giant commitments and more interested in what can we habitually do that over 5, 10, 15 years will make a dramatic influence, will make a dramatic influence. So what might we do in terms of our prayer life? I'll give you some few ideas of what you could probably start today that will make a dramatic change in your life and probably the lives around you. First, what if, what if rather than checking your phone right when you get up, what if you actually just spend like, like, I don't know, 10 seconds? What if you spend 10 seconds and name a few things that you are grateful for God for before the day even begins? 
What if you start off your day on like gratitude and appreciation for the God who is already with you and there and around you? What if you do that? What if you just actually affirm the good things that God is doing? This is incredibly important. This will change your day when you start with this kind of intention. So much so that even secular spaces are now doing this, okay? I'll give you an example of this. And this is kind of funny, so feel free to laugh if you'd like, okay? There's no judgment with this. So I joined a gym six weeks ago, okay? And I joined this, like, it's like a six-week program, which basically means I have one more week. I'm at peak fitness level right now, okay? That's basically where we're at. I love my little gym. It's great. Uh, but one of the things that they do, because they're kind of hardcore, and by kind of hardcore, I mean they're very hardcore, uh, one of the things that they do is they have to actually daily repeat affirmations. Like, I can do hard things, like, um, 2023 will be the best year of my life, and all these different things. And it's so, like, hardcore that they literally track it on an app, and it comes up, and they will text you if you have forgotten to do your affirmation, okay? It's pretty, it's pretty diligent. But they do this because they realize that starting your day with some sort of intention really matters. Why do we not think about that with Christianity, right? There's actually an old uh, monk who I actually really, really like, and he said once that if we neglect finding God in the morning, we will likely neglect to find him in the rest of the day. So might you just start off your day just before you reach for your phone, just name three things you are grateful to God for. That's it, just three things. But what else could you maybe do? I'm talking about simple, small, ongoing things that you can actually keep up. They'll make a big difference. What if when you're driving to work, you don't listen to podcasts, but you actually maybe listen to worship music or you spend the time in prayer? What if we don't fill our entire lives with noise and then wonder why we struggle with hearing with God? What if we try that? Or, or maybe you put a reminder on your phone that goes off like once a day to remind you that you are breathing the very breath of God right now. Do you remember when we learned that like last year in May, that whenever we are breathing in and out, that the breath we have is not ours, it's actually God's and that we're connected to him? What if we just, I don't know, remind ourselves to breathe and know that we're connected to God? That'll change your life if you do that consistently. Or here's a simple thing, and honestly, if you do this, it will unquestionably change your life in 5, 10, 15 years. What if you just recite the Lord's Prayer every day? Every day. It won't take you long, but it will make a dramatic difference in your life. Because if you get in the habit of praying for your enemies, that will change the trajectory of your life. Right? What if you just pray the Lord's Prayer? Or every night. Maybe you just what you do is you just pray before you go to bed every night. Krista and I do that every single night together. Sometimes, because we're tired, they're very short prayers, like, dear Jesus, give us a good day tomorrow. <laughs> Sometimes they're longer. We're talking about things you can consistently keep up. I want to invite you to just consider today what simple or small step might you take to really start to improve your prayer life or start to deepen your prayer life. Because that's going to matter. I want to invite you to, again, the focus with this, and this verse is from Hebrews as well, that when we come to prayer, it's not about seeking to convince God to do things. Then when we come to prayer, actually what we are doing is we are joining with Jesus. We get this. Jesus is already praying for us. Jesus is already praying for you. Did you know that if you know Jesus, he's actually praying for you right this moment? Can we disagree with this? This is good news, amen? It is good news that Jesus prays for us. Listen to how Hebrews prays it, puts it. Hebrews 7, verse 25. I just don't think we think about this enough. It says this. Jesus lives forever to intercede with God on your behalf. Hear that. Jesus lives forever to intercede with God on your behalf. That what Jesus is doing right now is praying for you. 
So when we go to prayer, it's not to convince God to do things that he doesn't want to do. It's actually just joining in with Jesus, actually, who is already praying for you and for me. This is one of the most beautiful things about Christ, is that he is always interceding for us. So prayer is just joining with him in that activity. So what can you maybe start like today? What can you maybe kind of continue? Maybe it's gratitude in the mornings. Maybe it's prayer at night. Maybe it's just reciting the Lord's Prayer. I know these are simple things, but honestly, simple, small, repeatable, habitual realities will change your life. Sometimes I think we want the big dramatic kind of reveals of things, but honestly, the life of discipleship, it is long-term, it is lifelong, and it's about small steps over time, okay? So what can you stop? What sins do we need to get out, rid of? What can you start? What can help you to, I don't know, just remind you of your connection with Jesus and to deepen that connection? And then thirdly, what can you continue that'll help your spiritual life? Well, today I'm not gonna give you something, lots more to do, okay? There's already two things. So here's what I think you can continue to do to actually develop and to grow and to deepen your life with Jesus. You wanna know what I think you can continue to do? What you're doing right now, actually. Just keep coming to church, that matters. Just keep coming to church. Now, obviously, obviously, I love to see all of you here. Like, this matters, right? But I invite this to, for you, not just for you, but for really for all of us, that what we need to do is to continually be coming into church to make it a priority so that we might be formed rightly. Because this is just true. Our world forms people awful. It is through consumerism. It is through greed. There is so much hate. And we live in that space so frequently. We're being inundated with messages and with noise all the time that one thing we do need to do at least weekly is to gather together, whether it's here or online, and just to be like formed together, right? Just to hear together, to actually have some detox from the world around us. That's simply what I wanna invite you to do, is to just continue doing what you are already doing, which is making church a priority. The author of Hebrews also says this. He says this way in, um, in Hebrews. He says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. That's true. God can be trusted to keep the promises that he has. You continue reading, and this is in chapter 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. But then he mentions this. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Right? Now what the author of Hebrews just reminds us of is the importance of gathering together. And apparently, it was easy to skip church back then, and I think it's still easy today, too. Right? And this isn't, again, through guilt. This is about health and holiness and actual ongoing wellness and all of that. That we need spaces where we gather together to be formed. We need one another. We can't just do this on our own. So I want to invite you to continue to just coming to church and making that a priority. To not let us neglect our meeting together. So what's my main point today? It's just really simple. It's that um, we're called to do some spring cleaning in our spiritual lives. And then how do we do that? Well, it's through rooting and stopping and kind of getting rid of sin. It's through then actually deepening our connection with Jesus. And lastly, it's through coming here together. So practically, practically, what does that look like? Well, I think there's lots of things that this could look like in your life, especially like this week, right? There might be some things you need to confess to Jesus and get rid of. There might be some habits to change. There might be some habits to start as well right? Perhaps that's the gratitude in the morning, whatever it might be, right? And there's obviously like coming back next week and the week after and all of that to make, you know, good ongoing habits in our lives. But what does this mean practically and personally? Well, today, what I want to do 
is actually one very ancient Christian practice that actually involves all three of those things, that involves naming and confessing sin, that involves praying and connecting to Jesus, and involves us doing that together, right? You know what that's called? Communion, right? Or the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper, that when we come to communion, what we do is we name the areas that we are just falling short in life to Jesus. Again, not for guilt, but for freedom and forgiveness in new life. And then what we do is we pray to him, and we appreciate him, and we give our hearts towards him in gratitude and thankfulness, and that we do that together, actually. We don't do that on our own. We come and we receive from someone who says, this is the body broken for you, and this is the blood shed for you. So today, to put all this into practice, to help us to root out some junk, to help us to start some good things and to continue with the right things, what we're going to do is we're going to practice communion together because this is the way that we might be able to come closer to Jesus and to really make sure that we can follow him well and faithfully. So with that, would you join with me in prayer this morning before we take communion here together? God, I ask, as we come towards communion in just a moment, I pray, might we continue to grow with you. I pray we experience your freedom and forgiveness. I pray, God, might you continue to help us to experience your light and your love and all that you have for us. So God, as we move into this moment, I ask, Lord, I ask might your presence be here. I ask might your hope be here. And I ask most of all, might you guide us as we come to your table. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So I want to read to you a traditional opening to communion. We read this. That this is the table, not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. Come, you who have been here often and you who have not been here for a long time or even ever before. Come, you have tried to follow and all of us who have failed. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, not because the church invites you. Come, because it is Jesus Christ who invites you to be known and to be fed here. So we're going to invite our servers to come forward to the tables. And in just a moment, um, as we sing this next song, we're going to invite you to come forward to any of the tables that are around you. There are tables in the balconies. There are tables out front and one at the back. Also, if you're unable to move towards one of the tables, we'll have ushers who will be more than willing to bring you the bread and the juice as representative of Christ. You can simply raise your hand and they will do that. Because today, we want to be able to really root out sin, find freedom and forgiveness, and then most of all, to pray and to connect with Christ. Because on the night when Jesus was betrayed, we read this. Then Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had thanked God for it, he broke it into pieces, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this wine is the token of God's new covenant to save you, an agreement sealed with the blood that I will pour out for you. That this reminds us that what is broken in our lives can be healed. It also reminds us that we can be cleansed, and it also reminds us that God is true to his promises, that he'll be true to you and true to me, and that it's the beauty of communion. So as we sing this next song, feel free to come forward at any time to receive communion, to pray, and to actually continue to do that spring cleaning in our lives as we look at our spiritual lives. So let's do that now together.